awesome. So um, when I was a young kid, um, you know, I come across all these stories, and there was one about this one particular duck, you know, and um, and it was different from all the other ducks in the cluster that was that had hatched, and um, and because he was different, he was um, shunned, and and there was this journey in this book about this duck. Wherever it went, it was shunned, and it was classified as an ugly duck, you know. And um, how many of you heard the story? Yeah, yes. And um, when I was older and my kids were young, they watched this animation of the ugly duckling. And I tell you what, they did a really good job of making sure the duck was ugly. Oh, it was the ugly duckling. All right. Um, and um, so all through its life, it goes and it finds, it finds opposition. It finds um, harsh words. It meets people that are like kicking it and shunning it. And it just never finds acceptance because uh, it goes through his life identifying as a duck who is ugly, right? But the reality of it is we all know is that he was not a duck, right? He was a swan. And I guess the message for me this morning that I want to share with you is like, you know, if, um, if you don't know that you are a swan, you will live your life thinking you are an ugly duckling. Yeah? yeah? And so this morning... I'm talking about the kingdom mindset and living purposeful. Could you go to the previous slide, the first one? I just want you to keep that at the top of your mind, all right? at the back of your mind, that it's there, all right? it's, um, it's what God has called us to be. Okay? It's there at the back of your mind. It's kingdom mindset. It's purposeful living that we're talking about this morning. Um, my scripture verse for you is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, and for a long time I used to read this verse and I was just like, I was just all pumped up because I was chosen, like I'm the chosen generation, like I am a royal priesthood, like I am a holy nation, I am his own special people. And I sort of like, that's where I put the full stop most of the time in this verse. And then recently this verse has been coming up to me and it's been speaking to me those lines that you may proclaim the praises of him. So it's like, this is all the things that you are and this is why you are these things. Amen? This is the why, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Kingdom mindset, purposeful living. And um, in the Passion Translation, this is what it says. I absolutely love it. And it says, But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. So like very powerful, empowering words, right? He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world, broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. You know what? Most of you are still sitting here, right? And your radio is turned off at home, right? Or your television is turned at home. Has it stopped broadcasting? Just because you're not watching it. You know, just because you're not listening to the radio, does it stop broadcasting? It doesn't, does it? It continually broadcasts. You know, whether, no, whether someone's watching 
or not. Because there are occasions when somebody's just driving on the road and they're skimming through the station. You know, I, I listen to Vision Christian Radio, and um, the number of times I've heard this, somebody's like talking about, like, oh, I was just driving on my, I was doing my truck driving, and, you know, I was skimming through the stations, and it fell onto your station. And I started listening to it, and I've been listening to it for 10 years now, and it's totally transformed my life. And I'm like, what? And I was like, just skimming through on one day, and boom, life-changing moment happens, right? This verse tells us that he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. That you would do it. You would glorify his name, his glorious wonders in your life. And I just think it is phenomenal that we have been given this purpose in our life. You know, if, if we are going through life and we are wondering, what is it that you and I have been made for? This is it. It is to glorify his wonders. Now, if you remember the songs that we sang today, and I was just like, because I did this sermon, I already knew what it was about, right? Every song that we sang today ties in one or two of the points that I've been I'm going to talk about. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, you'll be like, oh yeah, that ties to that, that, that song that we sang. Oh, that ties with that song that we sang. And it's like the Holy Spirit is working through us, and it was talking to the worship team, you know, to say like, you know, we, we sang about being the light, you know, being um, and his word, you know, that uh, is trustworthy, he's faithful. You know, we talked about his faithfulness, we talked about uh, the light of God in our lives. We talk, uh, we're saying about a few of these things. So as, as I talk about this, you will see that God is speaking to us all the same way. Now, when we grab a hold of this, it transforms the way we live. Okay? If you grab a hold of this message, if you grab a hold of this truth that is found in God's word, it will transform the way we live our daily lives. Now you look at some of the examples that have been given to in scripture. And I'm going to use some of these examples for us. Um, so you look at the life of Joseph, right? Context, loved by his father. He's been brought up in the word and the knowledge of God. Um, while the other brothers are down out um, looking after the sheep, um, Joseph is being taught by his father. He's being taught about the things of God. He's being taught about economies. He's been taught about um, how to look after the welfare of the house. So he's, he's learning all these things because he's the beloved of his father. The father makes him a wonderful coat. And while he's learning all these things, the brothers are getting envious. You know, they, long story short, they throw him in a pit with the intention to kill him. One of the other brothers convinces him, takes him out of the pit, and they sell him off to Egypt. Now... He's learned all these things about God and God's faithfulness, and he finds himself at a um, slave market. And um, he gets bought by... Who buys him? Thank you. All right. Potiphar buys him. Who's Potiphar? He is... Come on. Bible test. Ooh, Bible knowledge test. Who is Potiphar? Right. He's, he's one of the lead um, um, people in Pharaoh's courts, right? He's one of his uh, lead guard people. Right, so he goes into Potiphar's house and he begins to serve God faithfully in Potiphar's house. Now, just so that you know, Potiphar is not a Christian or a Hebrew, all right? Did not believe in the God of the Bible, okay? So he is an Egyptian, but Joseph in Potiphar's house is faithful. He keeps broadcasting, yeah? So Potiphar sees that the favor of God is upon his life and that whatever this young man does, prosperous. So he puts him in charge of his whole house. And then, of course, you know, the temptation comes where Potiphar's wife is like, mate, handsome young man, all right? And, but this is what 
Joseph responses, and he says, do I have it up there? How then I could do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? Right? He has held nothing from me. Does he say Potiphar? No. It's like, Potiphar has not held anything from me. Like, the only person who is, like, out of my reach is you because you are his wife. Then how can I do this thing against Potiphar? No, he doesn't say against Potiphar. He says against God. So even though he's serving in Potiphar's house and he is serving Potiphar, in his heart he is serving God. He is continually broadcasting. Yeah? And that is his outlook. That was his approach to life. All that I do, I do unto the Father. I do unto God. I serve him in all that I do. And we know. And then you've got the story of Daniel. Daniel and his mates have just been conquered. The, the Babylonians have come. They've decimated Jerusalem. They have taken captives. They've burned down the temple. They've just like, you know, their whole life, everything they know has been destroyed. Their identity has been snatched off them, all right? And they've been taken captives into a foreign land, all right? And there, King Nebuchadnezzar says, select some of the royal. So he says, some of the royal uh, uh, people of no, uh, royal nobility, okay? And bring them up. They should be, you know, all this, all this listing that has been given of, of they should be teachable, they should be quick to learn, they should be good looking, those kind of things. And um, so from that we find that Daniel and his mates come from royal bloodline, right? They're royalty. They've just been conquered. They've been brought into this uh, foreign nation. And now the king wants to train them so they can serve, into, serve him. I was like, I'm sure there'd be some animosity going on here. But then Daniel's approach is, he says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Now, of course, the king had offered them, right, that these people need to eat from the king's table. So whatever the king is eating, these guys would eat. So they, and they'd have three years of training so they could eventually then serve in the king's courts. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself that way. So even in a place of captivity and slavery, Daniel resolved to broadcast, right? To let his light so shine that they would know that they serve a different purpose. And it says after 10 days of testing, when they tested them, when they checked them, then they found that Daniel and his mates were better, healthier looking than the ones who had eaten from the king's table. Because these guys decided just to eat vegetables and, and water and drink water, okay? And we'll come back to Daniel. And then of course, then, of course, we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We, like, story moves forward a few years, maybe a few decades, and you've got Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he's built a statue. He wants the whole nation to worship the statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, you know, it's like, nope, not going to do it. And they say, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And out of your hand, O king, I love this, but even if he does not, you know, I really struggle with this verse, you know, in the, with this faith. Even if he does not, we are not going to serve your gods, all right? In the midst of certain death, they broadcast, right? This is what we have chosen to do. They live a life differently. They're living for a different purpose. They're living for a different kingdom. They had a kingdom mindset. 
So, first one, point number one. Know your purpose. See, Jesus said, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you are like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Now, that's one of the biggest challenges, that we fit into society so well that people can't tell the difference. Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Now, if you find that you're in a surrounding which is dark, you are there for a purpose. You are the light that's supposed to light up that space. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. It's interesting. Because of your commendable works, they will give praise. See, we need to do the work. The work has to be commendable. Amen? Right? We are all working. We all are. The question is, Jesus said, he who does not build with me, destroys. If you are not with me, you are against me. See, there is no neutral ground. There is no no man's land that we can go into and say, it's like, I'm not on either side. There is two sides, and there is no middle ground. If we are not building with Jesus, we are pulling down the kingdom. We are all working. Is our work commendable? Something for us to examine. Is my light shining, or is my light hidden? Because once my work is commendable, then, it's an if-then statement, then they will give praise to my Father in heaven. Amen? Something very exciting. It says, and it's commendable works. In Ephesians 2.10 it tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The very reason we've been created in Christ Jesus is for good works. Amen? Uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the challenge is God has already prepared this work for us to do, and if we are not walking in them, the work does not get done. This is a song. Um, I don't really know most of it, but the, some of the words they talk about, like, God, you know, why don't you do these things? There's people who are hungry. There's people who are sick. There's people who are needing these people who are needing that. God, do something. And then God, and the response is, God said, I did. I made you. You know? I made you. And I absolutely love that song. It's, and that's what God has called you and me to do, to be the hands and feet of God into the places that need the hands and feet of God. Yes, that need the love of God. You and I... Um, need um, to be I, um, Cy Rogers. Anybody know Cy Rogers? Um, used to be, um, he's, he's gone home to be with the Lord, and um, I think, and um, he had this line, and he was, a, um, he was transgender, and then he was on his way to get complete operation done to have his change, and then came across some believers and started going to church instead, and he used to have this line, God 
dressed up in skin, embraced me. And he was talking about believers in Christ, Christians who loved on him regardless. You know, despite all, his, all the stuff that he brought with him, all the baggage that he brought with him. You know, God dressed in skin. That's you and me. Right? Christ lives in us. So, and, and this, this, this thing that God has called us to do, to know your purpose. Joseph knew this. Daniel and his mates knew this. They were in nations devoid of the knowledge of God, and it was their light that made the difference. See, in Joseph's story, we read uh, later on, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? Do you know that you also have the divine spirit in you? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me. You know, and Pharaoh declares this. Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to the commandment, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. See, it reminds me of something that, of a, of, of, of a, of a um, parable that Jesus said, because you have been faithful in the little things, I will make you ruler over greater things. Much, yeah? And of course, Joseph was faithful in Potiphar's house. He was faithful in the prison, Yeah? And he broadcasted. He let his light so shine that even the Pharaoh's throne room was not devoid of it. Amen? He was shining his light from a prison cellar into the courts of the Pharaoh. Amen? Wow. See, in the case of Daniel and his friends, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. It says, after their season of training, it says, God gave these young men knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Do you know that God gives you knowledge? That God gives you the authority to have visions? We live in the New Testament church which says, God will pour out his spirit upon all men. Our young men will. Dream dreams. Old men will see visions. Have you seen a vision lately? If not, we need to ask God. Because that is our purpose. Yes? Right? We will pray for the sick as we heard. And they shall recover. Yes? Yep. And if they don't, because we know the God we serve, we know that He has a greater purpose. See, in, in one of the songs we said, you know, um, I might not understand, right? I might not understand, but I will still trust you. Amen? And sometimes we don't need to understand. We just need to trust. Amen? See, in the fiery furnace, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood there, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace after it was heated up seven times, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What a moment. This is guy, the ruler of the world at the time, right? He declares, praises, it's, it's like that verse, and then they will give praise to your Father in heaven. 
See, they are commendable work. They stood up in the face of adversity. They stood up in the face of death. And it says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their house be burned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. So, wow, talk about a declaration from the mouth of a pagan. Yeah? Wow, that is powerful. And because these three young men, because these three young men did not stop broadcasting. They did not stop praising and worshipping their God. Number two, resolve in your heart to walk in that purpose. Remember, our purpose, know your purpose, is to broadcast, to glorify the name of God. Resolve in your heart to walk in that purpose. See, Daniel resolved in his heart to walk in that purpose. He, he resolved and made a decision to not defile himself. Right? So, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God. Right? You and I know we are the children of God. Therefore, my purpose is to be a peacemaker. Right? Therefore, I do not have the right to be offended. It is my duty to be a peacemaker. So when I have a conflict with somebody, you know, do I wait for the other person to be the peacemaker, to come first and apologize, or is it my duty? to run first. It's almost like we should race against each other to see who can apologize first. And I think that's the challenge for this particular verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Who can, who, who can swallow their pride first? You know? And apologize. And be the peacemaker. Because that's my purpose. That is what I've been called to. Right? That's just one of the examples. And there's, if you want to know more, go and read the Beatitudes. Yes, there's, it's, it's filled with those things that you're just like, nah. Really? Uh, and I was like, you know, it's like, I think Jesus was, this is a metaphor. It's, there's, there's a deeper meaning. It means something else. Like, you know, it's like, he's not telling me to, yeah. It, it's honestly, it's one of those ones where I'm just like, it makes you wiggle in your chair when you're sitting and reading the Bible. It's just like, it's like next page, next chapter, all right? Um, so resolve in your heart to walk in that purpose. Blessed be the peacemakers. Um, number three, live from a place of constant gratitude. And um, as, as, as I'm preparing for this, this sort of came up because um, one of the things that I think I'm struggling in my life is self-righteousness. You know? And Christians can become, and I read an article recently about one of the eight sins that the churches or Christians are sort of like overseeing is one of them is self-righteousness where we can become like, yeah, I'm not as bad as the other person. Like, I'm, I haven't killed anybody. Or, you know, I haven't stolen anything. You know, or stuff like that. And we begin to justify ourselves, okay, uh, based on what we see others do. And the guilt of, the, the, the fallacy of self-righteousness. And if we begin to know that this is the purpose that I live in, I live to glorify the name of Jesus in all that I do, all right? And I get this privilege because not of my righteousness, but because of the righteousness of God, right? Then if I have that, if I live from a place of constant gratitude, and I know that all my righteous acts are like filthy rags, yeah? 
and that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right, then I can come before God and say, thank you, Jesus, right? I can stand before God in prayer, right? And I know that he looks upon me and he sees Jesus because I'm hidden in Christ, right? And it is my faith in Jesus, as Sharon said, it is by faith, the law of faith, right, that redeems us. And we constantly walk knowing that I'm forgiven because of the work of Jesus, not because of what I'm doing. And yes, and yes, I don't do as much stuff as I used to do, you know, that I'm not as good a sinner as I used to be, <laughs> right? Now, because I walk in Jesus. You know, I still mess up, yes, I still mess up, you know, but I don't take pride in that, you know, I don't take pride in, it's like, I'm not as doing as bad as I used to, or I'm not doing as good as I used to, it's like, depends on how you, all right? I don't take pride in that because I know that I live every day by grace in the name of Jesus, through my faith in Jesus, right? And we live with that constant place of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. You know, thank you that your day is, like it says in Lamentations, your grace is new every morning. You know, I wake up and that, that verse gives me hope. Because, you know, if I look at, back at yesterday and I was like, my goodness, I messed up so many times. But I thank you that your grace is new every morning. Amen? And if you live from the place of constant gratitude, we can let our light shine. Because, the, because I'm living in grace, I give out grace. So when people cross me, I'm like, I want to, in my mind, bless you. Right? And that's what we and I, you and I have been challenged about this morning. Okay? To live from a place of constant grace. Number four, practice spiritual disciplines. Now, the reason I mention this again, and I think I've done it several times before when I've preached, is that we need to practice spiritual disciplines. Read the word. Right? Now, because, I mean, we do not know our purpose if we don't read the manual. Right? Ever bought something at a garage sale that looked really nice but didn't come with the manual? And it's just like, how do I make this work? All right? I mean, we can Google it now, but I mean... <laughs> yeah. So I bought a car, right, that I'm doing up at the moment, and it didn't come with the manual. Okay, so I'm fixing it, and I've got it all going except the studio system. Because the battery was unplugged, it is now locked. And the code is in the book. <laughs> right. So, because I don't have the book, I've been Googling it, and I've been Googling it, and I've been, and no, you just can't, you can't Google this one, because the code is in the book, all right? So read the word, because it says, keep this book of law always in your lips, all right? Always in the front of your mind, and it says further that, this, that you may not sin, that I may not sin against it. The word I've hidden in my heart, it says in Psalm 119, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, all right? If you want to know how to shine and how to broadcast this light that God has given us, we need to read the manual. Yes? Right? Because your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. It, needs to, it will show me how to broadcast. Right? It will show me that, yes, I need to love, all right, as Christ loved the church. Yes? That's, that's the standard. Right? I need to pray for my enemies. Where do you get that from? It's in the book. Right? Um, thou shalt not see. What? It's in the book. All right? Uh, thou shalt not cover. But I really like that. It's in the book. Yes? Okay. I mean, we would not know this if we did not or do not read the book. Right? And when somebody comes in with slightly slanted information, like, money is evil, right? you'll be like, okay, because you did not read 
the book. It doesn't say that in the book. God wants you to be poor because uh, it's difficult for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven because it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? And they give you all this stuff. And you haven't read the book, so you'd be like, well, if it's written, you know, and there's no scripture. And then you're like, okay, God doesn't want me to be rich. No, nope, not in scripture. Can't find it anywhere. All right, why? The one person God boasts about in the Bible. Come on. Have you seen my servant Job? You know, everybody who talks about Job talks about the suffering. They forget the first few lines where the whole Bible is men boasting about God and the book of Job is God boasting about Job. Have you seen my servant? Right? And when you look at Job's wealth, he's like the richest man at the time. I mean, if God wants us to be poor, the one he boasts about would be destitute, right? I just don't see it. Abraham, father of the faith, right? Yes, poor? No, he goes and defeats ten kings, brings back all the wealth, and is like, don't want, one of them. don't want any of them. Wealth from ten kings, and it's like, you keep them. I don't want it. He's got more than enough, right? That's the God we serve. So when we know the word, we know the purpose, right? That's when you know you can do what God has called you. Do you know why you're born in Australia? There's a guy, um, it's called, I think it's called Geography Guy. Comes on vision sometimes. And he says, Geography is destiny. And I totally agree with him. <coughs> geography is destiny. You're born in Australia because God has a plan and a purpose for you, which he has already prepared in advance for you to do. And he placed you in Australia because of that. And he didn't put you in the slums of Fiji, all right, or the outskirts of Manila, or a small town in Indonesia, or in Calcutta, or in India somewhere. Because the things you can do as an Australian is exponential if you were not an Australian. I, tell the, um, I, I share this because I bring this different cultural experience. Like, you know, when, if you wanted to go overseas tomorrow, right, if you wanted to go to England, for example, what did you do? You just buy a ticket, jump on the plane and go, right? Now, if you're from Fiji, and you wanted to go to England tomorrow, then you'd fill this form, you know, you'd go to the English consulate, the England consulate, and you'd pray and fast for a week that they would grant you the visa, right? And then if the person who's examining your application is gracious enough and you get a visa, then you get your medicals done. Actually, you'll have to get the medicals done before you can make an application, and right? And then, it's like, you just can't buy a ticket and go. And it'd be the same thing with a lot of other nations. Like, coming to Australia from another nation, Right? You just can't buy a ticket and go. It's the privilege you, we have as Australians. When I say we, I mean you. <laughs> have as Australians. Yes? Cool. We can just do it. You know, if you wanted to go to Bali for a holiday, right, you have to work for a, for a month and save half your salary. And you've got more than enough money to have like a week's holiday. Right? If you're from Fiji and you wanted to go to Bali for a holiday, you'd work for 10 years and save your salary. <laughs> Probably an exaggeration, but very similar. The point is this. God has blessed us in this nation to, a, to an extent, and it reminds me that you've been blessed to be a blessing. Amen? 
right? So when we stood here and Pastor David gave an, um, an offering call last week and we gave as we did, you know, it reminds me, it's like we have begun to realize our purpose. We have begun to step in and walk in faith that God, you've called me for such a time as this. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. So, read your word, know the purpose. And, and under point four, I've got part two. Pray. Pray without ceasing. I absolutely love the idea. How many of you pray in your spirit? <sighs> yes? Please do. Because I mean, the scripture calls us to pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. It doesn't have to be like you know, five minutes in the morning or an hour in the afternoon. You can pray continually in your spirit. You could be praying right now for me as I'm preaching. Right? Where you're listening and say, like, come on, Lord, give him a word of revelation in the name of Jesus. I'm pre praying in my spirit while I'm preaching to you right now. Okay? Because that's the gift that God has given us. Because when we pray in our spirit, we do not engage the mind. The spirit knows the secrets of the Father and he intercedes for us. And the stuff that the Father wants to accomplish begins to get accomplished because you and I have opened ourselves to the Holy Spirit to begin to intercede for us. And things begin to move in the heavenly realm, right? So if you're praying for a beloved, pray for the beloved. You know, pray that things will begin to move in their life. Let the Holy Spirit within you cry out in groanings that cannot be understood. Amen? Pray continually. There is nothing greater. Now, is it an easy thing to do? No. When do things become easy? Let me give you an example. Um, say, for example, I signed you all up to our Destiny Futsal team. Yes! How many of you played futsal before? <laughs> right, two people. So for the three of us right, who play futsal, it is going to be easier than for the rest of you, right? Why? You haven't done it before, and we've been doing it for a while, right? So the longer we've been doing it, the easier it becomes, unless you're old, and then it just hurts. <laughs> anyway, but the point is this. Practice makes it easier, right? So when you first start, you'll struggle with a few words, but then, you know, you keep, at, you keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep at it, and before you know, God's like, I've heard enough. You can go and do the rest of your thing. No, God's never going to say that he absolutely loves hearing us. Um, Psalm 139 says, you know, it's like, I'm trying to, like, let's compete with God about the number of thoughts that he has towards me. How, you know how many times God thinks about you? You know? If you want to know how many times God thinks about you, go home, pick up, like, a grain of sand in between your fingers, put it on a table, get a magnifying glass, and then start counting the grain of sand that was in between your fingers. Right? And see how many you can get. I'm sure, like, you'll get probably, like, maybe 50... 60, just in here, right? And scripture tells us that the number of thoughts that God has towards us is more than the grains of sand in the world. And then you sit there thinking, nobody loves me. <laughs> nobody thinks about me. Let's read the word. The only thing God does is think about you. He's like sitting in heaven and somebody comes and says, one of the angels, like, what are you thinking about? Sharon? <laughs> you know? Lee? You know? Daniel? You know? What are you thinking about? Zia? That's what, that's what God does. Yeah, it's like, you know? He thinks about us all the time. Continually, we are in his thoughts. We are in his mind. 
my third point for uh, practicing spiritual disciplines. And I love this because it says, and my slight person has gone, oh, come to church, connect group, work in B, coffee and chat, Bible and study, little stars. What else is there? Right? Youth, fire youth. Come on. Come to uh, Vintage Collective. Come on. Come to whatever's going on. All right? Be there. Make the connection. See, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the door of dawning. It's written. Amen? Find the opportunity. What can you engage in? I, ask, you know, I absolutely love this. I mean, I was given the responsibility of doing the rosters for the uh, welcoming team, the house team. And uh, I asked three or four people, and they said yes. I'm like, yes. I was like, can I sign you up? I, I need more volunteers. And, uh, and they said yes. I'm like, great. So I see them more often now, right? Because they're there. They're there earlier, and they're serving longer. And I'm just like, fantastic. This is going to bless you so much because you're making more connections. You're rubbing shoulders with people in the faith. And as iron sharpens iron, right? We're going to sharpen each other, right? And that's why we need to come together and do more. See, when I first recommitted my life to the Lord, um, came back to the Lord after being a Hindu for about five and a half years, six years, seven years. It's been a while. It's time You don't read time in the wilderness, right? Nobody keeps track of time in the wilderness. But it was. So when I came back I, and I started uh, hanging out, I was like, okay, so church on Sunday, right? Youth on Saturday, right? Uh, prayer meetings on Wednesday, right? I'm like, give it to me. What else do we have? Oh, we've got work in B, Right. We are destroying this because we, they were building, they were destroying the old building and building a new one. So like Sunday, church o'clock, church finishes at one. We start at eight, by the way, and goes till one. I'll say that again. We started at eight and went till one, all right? And then it says like, okay, at three o'clock, we're going to have working beam, we're going to go till six. So, and then we come back again at three o'clock and we work till six. And I was like, and I just come back to the Lord and recommitted everything. And I was like, yes. And just hanging out with blokes in church, you know, Smashing timber, you know, taking down windows and, you know, pulling up roofs and, you know, taking nails out of timber. And it's just like sitting there, just working, working, everybody's working and everybody's talking, you know. And I grew. It's just the spirit that was on them was on me, you know. And I'm like, the spirit that is on him is on me. The spirit that is on him. And it's like as I am shoveling dirt, as I am digging holes, as I'm you know, holding up a piece of post because we are re-putting up partitions to reduce the church and still have the building while we're still making space for the new building to come in, you know, and I'm rubbing shoulders, I'm gleaning, I'm learning, what is on them is rubbing on me, what is on me is rubbing on them, okay, uh, and they're dusting it off, but anyway, you know, <laughs> you get my point. The, if you want to grow, we grow together like this. We come and make coffee together with, with people. We, we help Adam in youth, we you know, we greet people in the car park at the door, you know, smile and wave, right? Just smile and wave. That's all we need you to do. But find, if you're only connecting at one point, you will find yourself drained by the end of the week. But if you have two or three connection points, you know, it's like Sunday. I absolutely love Sunday worship. You know, my, my spiritual gift is like my, my spiritual gift is worship. And I absolutely love being in worship. And you know, I absolutely love being in front. So every time I get, they put me on for emceeing or they put me on for preaching, I absolutely love it because that means I get to be in the front row and then I can sing my heart out 
and it does not disturb the person in front of me. So I'm really belting it out here, right? Like in the, in, you know, when I'm in the front row, because nobody else is in front of me. So nobody's looking around to see who's that guy singing another tune, you know? And he's missing all the keys. And I see, and I just imagine that God's like, yeah, go for it, Jonathan. Yes, yes, hit that note. Nope, missed it this time. Next time, hit that note, <laughs> you know? And I was like, that's what God is like, you know? He's like, you know, it's, it's like when your little children start singing a song and they're so out of tune, and you're just like sitting there listening and smiling, and it's like, come on. You're doing so well, right? That's, that's God, you know? And it's just like, come, rub shoulders. Get excited for Jesus. Yes, get excited for the kingdom that we are a part of because that's what he has called us to be. And it's no time to pull away. It's no time to pull away, right? Make the time because this is how we grow and this is how you can broadcast your light, right? If you've got a friend who needs to go to youth, and you want to take them to this whole youth life thing, we've got seats on the bus, forget the $15. If they, if they can't afford the $15, just sign them up. I'll give you the $15. Sharon will give you the $15. I know somebody else here will give you the $15, right? Yeah. For the bus and the seats. We want them to go. Yeah. They can get to experience this, right? So you can sponsor your friend. Just I'm, 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 I'm underwriting it for you, all right? So if you've got a friend who wants to go and you can't pay for them, just say you'll pay for them and just come and see me afterwards. Right. All right, just under... Just underwrite it, right? I've got people I can go and beg here for, like, for money. I'm, I'm coming and seeing Neville after this, and it's like he's going to help me underwrite your commitments. So if you've got 10 friends who want to go, they say, like, I've got it covered. And they say, all they need to give you is your word, and just sign them up, all right? And Neville's got this, all right? <laughs> awesome. So, you know, God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let us stand and let's glorify him, you know? And is the music team coming up? If they are, it'd be awesome. Right, I'm finishing off in like five, two minutes. Let's glorify the name of Jesus wherever we are. Don't stop broadcasting. You know? Don't stop broadcasting. Let your words be words of life. You know? I cannot take my car in to be fixed right, without being blessed by Australianism, if you know what I mean. Right? There's something wrong with my car. Yes, it's effing this wrong with the car. And I'm just like, is it not just wrong? No, it's effing wrong. So it must be something really seriously wrong with my car. Right? Or um, to get the tires changed, right? It's like, have you been? But that's just, but then, you know, you can go and talk to somebody else who does not. Or if you are in that space and you find yourself that you are one who does not use language, right? They will see it because you are broadcasting. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And people will see it and it's like, there's something different about you. It's like, why are you smiling? I got Jesus in my heart. That's why I'm smiling. <laughs> Amen? Yes, because I know where I'm going. Right? I know my purpose, yes? So you're living a life of purpose. And when we begin to live our life of purpose, something changes on our face, right? It's old Sunday school song, right? If you know it in your heart, it will show up on your face, kind of thing, something along those lines, right? What's in your heart will show up on your face. It's like, so let's not walk our lives thinking like, mm, let's live our lives where our light shines, yes? So that through our good works, our commendable works, our Father is glorified in heaven. Would you jump to your feet with me as I pray and as our team gets ready for a song and let us broadcast. Daddy God, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you are the good, good Father. And Lord God, the goodness that we have in our lives help us to broadcast continually so that the world may see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.